Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. It's good to see your wonderful, beautiful faces. Uh, and for some of you, it's the first time I've ever seen your face. So, uh, <laughs> Pastor Holly and I were talking uh, this last week. We, we realized today is one year from having to close down our services. Uh, March, March, well, actually, sorry, two years, right? Two years. Oh, my goodness. See, you just... COVID fog, right? Yeah, two years to the day, to the Sunday. So we're so, so thankful to be where we are uh, this morning. Well, I want to welcome you to the second week of our Shaped Like Jesus, Shaped by Jesus series. And uh, I hope that over these next couple of weeks, we have a really significant opportunity. You're making time in your life uh, to ask some hard questions and, and ask some questions about the shape of your life compared to the shape of the life of Jesus as we look at characteristics of who he is uh, these several weeks together. I think we had a great beginning last week as we, uh, we kind of began with the end in mind where we talked about the idea of holiness that we can actually pursue holiness because of what Jesus has done for us, and uh, I'm so thankful for, for that. Remember, there's a couple of things that we want to do together in this series, some overall goals for each of our weeks. We want to participate in spiritual practices each week that will shape the way that we think and act. We want to become more sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. We want to become more familiar with the character of Jesus. So we're kind of highlighting these as overall goals for this time of Lent as we head up to Easter in this particular series. So I hope one of the questions you're asking yourself all the time is, how is this going for me each week? I hope you were encouraged last week as we began to look at the character of Jesus. I always want us to be encouraged in our journey with Jesus week by week. But I also think it's important that we are challenged as well. Challenge to gain perspective that'll help us uh, grow, give us some clarity that will help us grow in our spiritual walk with Jesus. And I think this week will be just that. Challenging. So, okay, you've been warned. Now we're ready, right? <laughs> Remember, we embrace the idea of spiritual challenge here. Uh, we, the word we used is unsettled. It's the first step of our discipleship process, knowing that when we read scripture, when we encounter the person of Jesus, that we'll often leave, cha- leave challenged and unsettled uh, and see where there may be some areas in our life that we have some work to do. And this is a good thing. And so today, what we're going to talk about is the idea, the characteristic of obedience. Obedience. Jesus puts this on display for us, and obedience can be difficult for us sometimes. There's a a really kind of famous, iconic episode of of the show, The Office. I'm not sure if you've seen that or not, but the main character, Michael Scott, uh, in this one episode, he drives his rental car into a lake because the GPS tells him so, to do so. Uh, Earlier in the show, this character, Michael, he spoke glowingly of the capabilities of GPS navigation. And when he's attempting to go to a client meeting, he misunderstands the GPS direction and drives his car into a lake because the voice tells him to. It's hilarious. And if I remember right, when Christina and I were watching this, Christina said something like, that's you. I am terrible, absolutely terrible with directions, and I rely on GPS 
almost exclusively uh, in the, this last week of our, of our weekly discussion podcast. Pastor Holly was teasing me about it because uh, she, she noticed one time I had to go pick my kids up from their school, which is like four minutes away, and I needed GPS directions. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's real bad. Uh, <laughs> so this kind of helps us enter the idea of obedience, doing what we're told to do through this kind of funny idea of the GPS. But when we think about the idea of obedience, in one of Jesus's, mo- in probably the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached, we know it is the Sermon on the Mount. He ended this uh, message in a very particular way, emphasizing a very particular point. So you know that this is important. His, his teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, they're revolutionary, and they have certainly changed the world. For 2,000 years, philosophers and leaders have studied and discussed the principles that he taught there on money, on loving enemies, on judging others. People from all over the world have been inspired by that teaching, and yet I think Jesus knew that many of us would be tempted to simply admire his words more so than to act on his words. So he ended his message in Luke 6, 46 through 49, with a parable. And it goes like this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes, uh, comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds their house right on the ground, or in some translations, on the sand, without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it'll collapse into a heap of ruins. So in this parable, one homeowner takes out a construction loan to build his dream house. He's budgeted enough to hire excavators to dig deep and lay a foundation on the bedrock, even though no one would see it. But it was worth it the day the torrential rains came and the winds crashed against the house. He sighed with relief when he discovered that he had sustained only minor damage to his home. And in contrast, the other man built his house uh, around the same time. He'd scraped enough money together uh, to construct this beautiful house. But instead of laying a foundation on the bedrock, he saved money by skipping the excavator and built on level ground. His dream house became a nightmare when those rains and winds hit and the flash floods destroyed everything. So Jesus said that the homeowner who built on the bedrock was like someone who hears his words and puts them into practice. When life gets hard, we will be able to endure. However, the man uh, who built without a foundation is like someone who hears Jesus, uh, Jesus' words, and does nothing about them. When the storms of life come, he won't be able to hold up. This is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) I love it because it's really, this is a really important point that Jesus is making. I read this week that it's been said that the average American is about 3,000 Bible verses too heavy. (laughs) That is that we know more about what God says than we do about what God says. And here's the hard and challenging Lenten-based question for you and for your life. Is this true of me? So I want to encourage you to take some time to think about that this week. 
Jesus is, is, is not using hyperbole here, and he's not overstating a point just so that we'll get it. He's not using strong uh, statements just to get our attention. He really expects us to take obedience seriously. And just to continue to make the point here, what did Jesus tell his disciples, and by extension you and me, just before he ascended into heaven? Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to... Obey all the commandments that I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus commanded us uh, to, he, he did not command us to teach people to memorize his words only. He didn't ask us to gather and discuss and debate what he said. He instructed us to teach people to obey everything that he commanded. And in a famous, really to-the-point passage in the book of James, the brother of Jesus writes this. But don't just listen to, the, to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. I think we can, okay, Pastor Kyle, enough, right? We get it. Obedience is, is, is important and we need to take it seriously. So while the question of our obedience to God can be a challenging one, don't be discouraged. Because Jesus leads the way and he helps us out in this. So when we're thinking about obedience, uh, when we're thinking about uh, obedience, taking action is important. Actually doing what Jesus tells us to do is, is important. But true obedience, and this is where I think this is really helpful in our spiritual walk with Jesus. True obedience is more than about uh, simply right behavior. This is where Jesus Jesus' teaching is transformative for us. We need to not make the same mistakes that a really famous group of people in the Bible make, those notorious Pharisees, right? In Jesus' day, the most dedicated religious rule followers were the Pharisees. We all know that. They ordered their life around obeying all of the 613 commandments. And then we've talked multiple times over the past couple of years about how there's more that's added to that. Uh, they were trying to obey everything in the Old Testament law. Yet despite their fanatical rule keeping, Jesus is not impressed with them. He, he says several things to them. One of the things he calls them is whitewashed tombs, right? You look really good on the outside, but inside it's death. And in Matthew 5, again, found in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has some other harsh words to say. He says this, unless you do far better than the Pharisees in matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. And I know we talked about that some months ago when we, we kind of walked through a Sermon on the Mount series. So hold on, Jesus, how is this even possible? What's unsettling about this at first glance is that there's no way that anyone can do better in terms of right living or obeying the law than the Pharisees. They're professionals at it, right? So what are we, where, it, it's definitely a shocking statement at first. And I think maybe honestly, this is where we've tried, how in some ways we've tried to work obedience in. Like the Pharisees, I think historically the emphasis in Christian, Christian teaching, maybe at its worst, has been about right behavior first. Behavior is important for sure. But for Jesus, our behavior is an outcome of the state of our heart and the focus of our mind. 
That this is, this is what's really going to propel and help us in the area of obedience. With Jesus, it's a change of heart first, starting with faith in Jesus, that leads to different actions. Not the other way around. So it's important for us to realize that because we know obedience is important. But we also need to know that obedience is more than just right behavior first. The scribes and the Pharisees are seen as missing the point. Obedience for Jesus is not about behavior modification only. It's a matter of the heart. That's Jesus' point. See, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, mentioned at the end of this passage represent a particular way of getting things out of order. And we don't want to do the same thing. They thought they could muster enough willpower on their own to keep the laws of God and that God would somehow recognize that as righteousness and give them some eternal credit. Right? (laughs) Jesus is saying you've got to do better than that approach. It starts with significant and radical heart change through faith in Jesus. That's where it begins. Because a radical, a radically changed heart leads to a radically different life. The type of obedience that Jesus is calling us to starts with a change of heart and change of mind and leads us then to walk in step with the Spirit. And there's the key. Transformed and changed hearts lead us to the possibility through faith in Christ to walk in step with the Spirit. And that's the kind of obedience that Jesus wants from us. How are you doing at that? (laughs) Uh, One author I, I read this week wrote this. Legalism can never make us holy because it only deals with the external behavior. It fails because it attempts to weed the yard by clipping off the plant tops. Not only do the weeds resurface, but the roots also keep spreading underground to sprout at another location. We can attempt to modify our behavior, but only the Holy Spirit can transform us inwardly so that we desire what God desires. The obedience of Jesus was not rule keeping. It was a life that sprang from a heart that was always open to the whisper of the Spirit and always responded with, yes, Lord. Isn't that incredible? And isn't that, isn't that challenging? Eugene Peterson writes that the danger here for us is that we reduce our Christian experience to ritually obeying a few commandments that are congenial to our temperament and convenient to our standard of living. (laughs) So if you're like me at this point, I have this question. It's like, okay, Uh, If you're thinking this, I'm probably thinking this too. You might be saying, Pastor Kyle, can you just tell us, what are the three steps that I need to do to be obedient, right? What's the formula to making this work out in my life? That's just kind of a natural progression of our thought. But that's the point that I'm making, is that there isn't necessarily a step-by-step formula in terms of external behaviors. True obedience with Jesus starts with a changed heart. So the question you have to start with is, how's my heart? How's my mind? Another author I read uh, this week wrote this. Often our spiritual quest becomes a search for the right technique, the proper method, the perfect program that can immediately deliver the desired results of spiritual maturity and wholeness. If we could only find the right trick, the right book, or the right guru, go to the right retreat, or hear the right sermon, instantly we will be transformed into a new, a new person at a new level of spirituality and wholeness. <laughs> That's kind of what we want, right? But that's not always the way that the spiritual life works. And so there's the challenge in in what we're talking about. 
A Jesus-shaped life does not only consist of reforming external actions. It is the result of a transformed heart. Becoming like Jesus goes far deeper than training ourselves to behave in certain ways. It's about taking on the inner nature of Jesus. To desire that our desires become God's desires. We walk in step with the Spirit and in doing so, we can live an obedient life. God wants to do more than just modify our behavior. He wants to renovate our hearts. And he wants to do that. Uh, Doing that is what motivates our actions. Because then you walk in step with the Spirit. And like I said, that's true obedience. Have you ever thought about obedience uh, to God beginning with a changed heart instead of external behaviors only? This is incredible stuff. And I'm thankful to Jesus for his example. So I'd like to end our time together, this last part here, by just talking about a few practical things that can help us as we think about this. Uh, This first one, I'm so thankful because we've talked about this a little bit, but Jesus gives a primary example of this. I think the first kind of practical thing that we can do to grow in obedience is we need to have a willing heart. We need to be willing to give up our desires to, to, to ask God, what do you want? And can my heart and mind align with that, right? So we need to have a willing heart. A willingness to obey God comes as part of a transformed heart. So there's the Lord's help in that. Uh, and the, but there's still a part that we play. We have to be willing to be willing, <laughs> Right? A few weeks ago, we looked at uh, Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when we were talking about our our, uh, Where Jesus Walked series. So I'd like to revisit that a little bit, and hopefully this will kind of bring a little bit even more depth than what we talked about before. But this prayer that we find in Matthew 26, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, is moments before he's arrested and taken to the cross. And at first, he didn't want to do this. Do you remember? In Matthew 26, verse 39, it says, Jesus prays, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Do you see the willingness of heart there? Jesus says, God, can we do this differently, please? And yet even in the first part of this prayer, we see a willingness of heart in Jesus to obey God. God continued to help Jesus as he moved on from this moment. But Jesus, in one of the most significant, difficult moments of his life, Puts, it gives us an example of a willingness to walk in step with the Spirit. We noticed how in this prayer we see Jesus' perspectives change as we continue on in the, in the story. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. And he said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the Spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And sometimes that's the challenge that we face, Right? <laughs> Then Jesus uh, left them a second time and prayed, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. And when he turned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. The second time, it's not let's do this another way, but it's if it's your will, then okay. By the end of this prayer, Jesus is ready to move on to, into the plans that God has for him. An incredible example of a willingness of heart and a a surrender to what God wants and then a change of heart. And the whole thing ends with Jesus saying to his disciples, okay, let's go. It's time. 
In verse 44 through 46, it says, So Jesus went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. And then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Look, my betrayer is here. His human perspective becomes divine action or obedience because of his willingness uh, of heart and God's help. (laughs) Obedience in our lives will grow if we have a willingness to surrender ourselves to the way of God. So it starts, that's a great Lenten question as well. What's the willingness of my heart? Are you struggling with obedience in a particular area? Maybe you have some time of prayer around that particular area and say, God, what's my willingness to surrender to you in this, this difficulty or this struggle that I'm facing? I think another practical step for us to grow in obedience is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this is something that we, you know, we pray to God, for, for God to do. We know that the Holy Spirit comes into our heart when we put our faith in him. But this is another aspect of the spiritual life through faith in Jesus that, that is something that we can pursue and ask God's help with. Look at Galatians chapter 5, 16, and then 22 through 25. It says, so let, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Those who belong to Jesus have nailed the passions and desires for their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Isn't that awesome? Not only will the Spirit fill us, but will guide us. Talk about like an easier step to obedience, right? I'm not going to fight you, Jesus. I want to do this. You want me to do this. Fill me with your Spirit and guide me in the way that you will have me. I want to be in step with you. How is it that you are trying to be led by the Spirit in every part of your lives? Are you resisting what the sinful nature craves? If you remember from last week, we kind of dove into the idea of sin and what that looks like. And the amazing realization that we have in the person of Jesus is that sin no longer has the power over our lives through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're no longer slaves to following that. We can uh, let the Spirit guide our lives because of what Jesus has done for us. So, how is it that you are trying to follow the Spirit's lead in your daily life, in every part of your life? This week I heard a speaker use the idea that if we're doing this, we can be works of art uh, as we daily obey God. Here's what she said. If Jesus is Lord, it means Caesar isn't Lord. If Jesus is Lord, it means the economy is not Lord. If Jesus is Lord, it means that all other measure of success are not the boss of you. It's that transformation and it's that connection that is so important. That's why Paul prays that our, the eyes of our heart would be reawakened. That we would be open to all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we would know Christ who is the highest authority. So that we wouldn't allow fear and conformity and the ways of this world to dominate our lives. In many ways, Christians themselves, when they are tapped into the lordship of Christ, are unplugged enough from the world's uh, world system that they are works of art. We become the works of art that provokes people to think differently. 
Isn't that incredible? When you are filled with the Spirit and you walk with the Spirit, we can become works of art that put on display something different than this world. What a wonderful thought. That being filled with God's Spirit, obeying the ways of Christ, can make us stand out. Bright lights in a very dark place. So we need a willing heart, and we need to be filled with God's Spirit. And the last one, I think, is we just need to develop daily rhythms of obedience. Now this one is maybe the most practical of all these steps, but uh, essentially what we need to do is daily uh, develop some habits where we can practice this. You know, practice makes better, right? <laughs> uh, and so this is a really good, we, we've talked before about disciplines and rhythms in our life that help us grow uh, with Jesus. And in order to get to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane level of obedience in our lives, we need to have more regular daily uh, activities that build that foundation of trust and obedience. So how, what does that look like in your life? What kind of rhythms are anchoring you? So where you could put this in practice. If you don't already, start a regular time of prayer and scripture reading and worship. Use this season of Lent. We know that this is a bit uh, of a different season in our spiritual life where we're setting aside this time to really pursue these, the deeper ways of the Lord. So set aside some time to hear from God and to grow in your ability to say yes to the Spirit's leading. Make it a goal to take one step of obedience every day from now until Easter that will open you up to the Lord and maybe even bless someone around you. What is the Lord asking you to do? Just do that. <laughs> you can do it in small ways. And what will happen is you'll grow in your ability and your trust in the Lord. So when it becomes a, a significant moment in your life, maybe you're facing a crisis and the Lord leads you, you will better, more easily be able to say yes. We know that Jesus had regular times of connection and hearing from God, which enabled him to say yes in those most significant moments in his time here on earth. We can do it. Amen? We can do it. Remember, we're theologically optimistic. We can pursue the Lord here in all areas of our life, even when we're asking hard questions. So we can do it with each other and God's help. We need a willing heart. We need to be uh, filled with the Spirit. And we need daily rhythms that will help us grow in our obedience. Worship team, would you come back? I hope that you are encouraged and challenged by the example of Jesus and the character of our Lord and that we are working to align ourselves with Jesus. So let's pray and then we will sing this last song together uh, as we end our time. Would you stand? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, I'm so thankful for the example that you give us in scripture. Week after week, God, you call us to a deeper walk. You give us hope as you encourage us through your spirit that you help us along the way, that we can actually have a radically changed heart and mind, that we can actually walk in step with the spirit. And so God, help us to put that into practice. I pray for everyone here today, whether in person or online, that God, you will just be closer this week. Make your, your presence tangible bring clarity in, in areas of confusion or darkness in people's lives. And God, just, I, th I pray through our obedience and our growing trust in you that you will open our eyes.
to the world around us, the way that you see the world around us, and to more and more of who you are. We give you praise. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.